This week, the revolving door of presenters continues. The Tinkerman, Claudio Renier, is not involved, but we are privileged to have a friend of the pod, George Nicolau, uh, joining us this week. George, I hope the rotation policy isn't going to cause issues, but um, uh, welcome aboard. I've been waiting a long time for this call-up, boys, <laughs> so I'm ready to go. We're also joined by pod steward Colby. Welcome, uh, hey, Colby. boys, how are you going? Another week. Uh, so this week we'll be covering the politics uh, and, and football clashing uh, throughout the football world and also uh, the Melbourne Varby um, and also the explosive Chelsea and Man United game from last night. Um, but first up, here's our moments of the week. Okay, moment of the week. Tommy, what stood out for you this week? So I, I had a, a bit of a challenge this week trying to come up with a moment of the week, but I've I'd settled on something that was actually quite early on in the week. It was Jimmy Bullard's commentary of, of the uh, one of the goals in the England Spain match. Now, this is just this is a football lover loving football, and just it's all just shines through in everything he says. So, look, let's just we'll play the audio and hopefully it shines through how great this is. <laughs> Get to this goal, the boys just scored for England. Started with a throw-in. <laughs> this is what I've been praying for. <laughs> Jimmy. Keep ball at his best. Be patient. Be brave. Don't think I've got enough time on my video. <laughs> <laughs> Don't have to play forward if it ain't on, boys. Is he just doing this at home? Keep it. Don't worry. <laughs> Come back to the keeper. All right, put a little squeeze on. Can we play? Yeah, through the middle, playing there, the Ross Barkley who's come for the ball. Right, we go back, can we f- beat the press? Long flipping ball that's coming, <laughs> lovely. Now we can break lines. Watch this for a through ball, get on this for a finish. One of the best goals we've ever scored, get you in there. <laughs> that's what I'm talking about. Love it, Southgate. You're the man. Go on, the boy. Oh, that's so special. I love it. Oh. I love it so much. And look, it was a great goal, but like that takes it to the next level for me. That's that's just like I mean, that's just like you commentating. It's on like your couch. Boy, <laughs> yeah, at exactly. And he's like, I don't know a lot about Jimmy Bullard because, like, him being a UK-based football yeah. personality, but he just seems like a really lovely guy and just really passionate and just really genuine. Great, great bloke. Great moment. What a moment. Uh, tough to top that. Uh, my <laughs> moment also comes from the international break. Uh, it goes to Awamabil and Thomas Dang. Uh, yeah, so nice. both debuting for the Roos earlier, the we- earlier in the week um, when they were played over in Kuwait, uh, getting up 4-0, as you might expect against Kuwait. Um, so they both made their debuts, uh, and Mabil even nabbed a goal on his debut, so that's... You know, well-taken goal, yeah. Well-taken goal, can't get much better than that. Yeah, so both, the, the story basically goes, um, both Awa and Thomas were South Sudanese refugees um, whose families fled conflict in Sudan and made their ways to Australia via Kenyan refugee camps. 
Um, the two were also childhood friends in Australia and they played a lot of their junior club football together in Adelaide. Um, so yeah, it's a very nice story. Um, but obviously the, the road to earning a national team cap for any professional player is like, that's always a massive story and it's always filled with hard work, adversity, sacrifice, a lot of families getting up mm. quite early in the morning. Um, but when you throw in the fact that these guys and their family have to flee a country that's been basically enduring a civil war crisis for decades just to get there, it makes it an even sweeter moment for them both. And um, and Australia's role in getting to this, to this point uh, is something that we as a country should be pretty proud of, I think, as well. Um, there are lots of stories like this in, in football and obviously other sports and in our community as well. But um, yeah, I think it's good to acknowledge that refugees and immigrants basically made football in Australia. Yeah. Um, and made, made Australia what it is today. Um, there's a lot we still get wrong in football and even more we get wrong as a country when it comes to refugees and immigrants. Um, but I think, yeah, it's just important to give these moments the recognition they deserve, as well as just acknowledging Australia's role and responsibility in sort of supporting and building up vulnerable people. Yeah, no, I think you've, yeah. you've nailed it there, mate. It's a, it's a nice, yeah. it's sort of a real heartwarming moment, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. Oh, and just to see their smiles after the game, they're beaming from ear to ear. It means so much to them, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, and uh, they got they got you know big raps from absolutely everyone. Uh, it got got sort of attention around the world, and it's just one of those stories that you really want to hear, and just yeah, it really warms the heart. All right, George. Uh, what about you? What was your moment of the week? Guys, I've got a bit of a controversial one Ooh, here. We um, love controversy here. And I know, I know you love the FFA, and I know you love politics, internal corporate governance. That's what we're all about on Modern yeah. Game. This is the main thrust of the podcast. So I'm going to give the FFA a bit of a, a pat on the back oh. this week. Ooh. I'm very pro their stance on expansion. So oh, wow. The, so as, this is controversial. I've got an own goal on that this week, but go on. Well... Let's, let, hear me out, hear me out. What they've said is that they've narrowed it down to six branch, potential franchises. Mm. And what, <laughs> I'm not responding to that, Tommy. Um, and what they're saying is they're going to take a little bit more time to consider each bid individually. They've, they've gone back and they've said, Here, here's, your, here's, here's some pros We want and to cons. know now who they are. No, see, that, the, the FFA have a history of making bad calls and early calls. That's true. We saw this with... What are you, you talking? Know, the, Gold Coast United, great. Yeah, that's right. Get Clive Palmer back. Um, <laughs> and the North Queensland Fury as well. Like, let them take their time. Let them consider every bid and, and where they can make a franchise that will last for more than three or four seasons. And l- let's give them a bit of credit for actually saying, putting their hands up and saying, look, we've got too much on our plate at the moment. <laughs> Let's cons- let's We're too just busy talking a- about corner kicks, guys. We're yeah. talking about safe smoke. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> they've they got to watch a bit more BBL and try and get their marketing. In, in- we'll, be, we'll be taking a year just to change the badge, guys. We've got, <laughs> yeah. we've got a lot going on back here. No, I'm all, I'm, all, I'm all for them sticking their hand up and saying, uh, we'll get back to you. In a- Look, that deadline was not a hard deadline. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, maybe in two or three years' time when they make the decision... To, to bring a couple of teams in, uh, it'll, it'll be the right one. So there you go. I think, I think well done, FFA. Well done. Okay, on to our own goal now. So, uh, Colby, what was your own goal of the week? My own goal this week goes to the FFA. Jeez, oh, they're, they're pretty pretty good with the own goals. <laughs> I probably don't even need to say what it's about, but, um, <laughs> you know, you can... You can pretty surely give the FFA an own goal most weeks although they do they are trying like let's let's you know it could almost be the section like what's FFA's own goal this week yeah (laughs) I know and hopefully we don't have to keep doing too many more but there is one I guess you could say it's a good thing Uh, it's it's the it's the expansion 
Um, so the group of teams that are under consideration for the expansion proposal um, by the A-League um, this week has been cut from eight to six, um, with bids from Wollongong Wolves and Ipswich Pride FC um, being rejected. Boo! Uh, boo, Wollongong! <laughs> Uh, so the remaining bidders are South Southern Expansion, Boo. MacArthur South West Sydney, uh, Western Melbourne, Team Eleven, South uh, South Melbourne, uh, and Canberra. Um, so yeah, what what remains obviously is very South Eastern Australian centric. So there's two New South Wales teams, three Victorian teams, and an ACT team. So it means yeah, the the two we're getting is either going to be from yeah New South Wales or Victoria or, or the ACT, I guess. Uh, like so, Canberra might be a point of difference, obviously, because they represent a different region, um, and you know they've successfully hosted um, games in the Asian Cup, and there's clearly a, oh, yeah. there's clearly an appetite for football out there, so that might be an interesting one. And obviously, South Melbourne have long been touted as a team which is A League ready. Um, in terms although, of although wages gate recently, yeah, has been an issue yeah, we won't, won't get into that. That could have been that could have been <laughs> someone else's own goal. Um, but uh, yeah, in terms of their facilities and community representation as well. But yeah, look. The own goal for me is it's a bit disappointing to see the FFA sort of clearly heading in the directions of metrics and catchments rather than, you know, or at the expense of sort of true representation across Australia and um, true sort of covering of communities and identity. Uh, so, yeah, that's a that's an own goal for me this week. So much corporate speak in, like, the, mm. the way it was all handled. Like, Absolutely. What, what was kind of difficult to take as someone who is um, very... Is he's happy to say that like they want Wollongong Wolves into the league? Is that they they said that yep. So the Wolves and the uh, the Ipswich bid, there was a lot of problems with those bids, and so they wouldn't be continuing on in the process. But they also said that the other six bids, there were some issues there that they needed to work on. I was like, okay, well, so are you saying that the, the those two bids that were removed, that they basically had too much work to do to catch up to the other six, like they just didn't want to strip them along or what's the deal but um look i think both ipswich and wollongong got, would have gotten a lot out of it and i think they it were won't both, be for nothing yeah. yeah exactly so um so yeah i think we'll be seeing them yeah in the in the a league at some point in the future but yeah unfortunately it's not gonna be this time tear tear uh, so my own goal this week was, uh, I, I guess, a story that was a, it's a little bit West Ham related, but oh, <laughs> surprise, surprise! <laughs> <laughs> but um, so this one is so there's a junior coach uh, at West Ham's academy called We're getting deep um, West Ham listeners <laughs> called Mark Phillips. <laughs> now he um, he was seen marching at, at a what are they called? So they called the Democratic. Democratic Football Lads Alliance, right? <laughs> Which is a little bit... Um, There's your own goal already. Yeah. <laughs> but what um, what the actual own goal is that... Um, now, the march was meant to be sort of anti-terrorism, anti-extremism, but... Um, Are they an alt-right group? Uh, well, that's about what I'm ah, about sorry. to get yeah, to. Go so, on. <laughs> so Kick It Out has reported... Uh, it's been reported to Kick It Out that um, this guy, Mark Phillips, went to the march, and it's... This the the DFLA. They're only about two years old, but even in the last two years since their sort of um, creation, they have gone um, a big shift to the right. Which is um, now they're being uh, seen as sort of a bit of a front for um, some anti anti Muslim sentiment and marches and that kind of thing. So um, the Premier League Premier League clubs were, clubs were all warned about um, involvement with this organisation, saying, "Look, we think that it's." kind of okay right now but look it appears to be heading in this sort of uh, unsavory direction and so 
Mark Fields is currently being investigated for bringing uh, the club into disrepute at the moment. And look, it comes, it's not a good look for the club being one, they're in East London, which is a very multicultural part of um, of London, but also it comes on the back of Tony Carr sacking earlier on this year where he was sacked for uh, basically, so the, Tony Carr the, was the head of recruitment, um, head of scouting at, at West Ham, and said that basically African players, that he didn't want any more because they were too much trouble. Um, and... All of these things sort of coming together, you go, oh, does, is the problem, is there going to be problems at the club in terms of sort of interacting with minorities and interacting with the community and stuff like that? And it's just something that the club doesn't really need, like just another um, yeah, controversy. No. And look, um, like he's a, I think he's the under 18s or under 16s coach at West Ham. And you go, well, if, if you are from like a, uh, basically a non-Anglo background, are you going to be happy sending your kids to have this guy as your coach? Like, is he going to give your kid a fair go? You're probably just not going to take that risk, going to send him elsewhere. Even if they are the, like, the next Salah, next Pogba, something along those lines, she's going to go, it's not worth it. Why Why, why take the risk? So that's my own goal. Um, yeah, what a fail. Hope they hope they clean it up as a club and um, get on with it. Yeah, yeah. Um, Right, George, and what about you? What was your own goal for this week? Guys, I'm going to make a big call here. Ooh. Germany. Yogi Love. Time to go. Oh. He should be out. out. Should be out. Have you seen their record for this season? I think they've won four. I think they've won, won as many games as Gibraltar, haven't they? Well, I think so. <laughs> something, something like that. Something as spectacular as that. So I, I think it's time. He's been there for, what, 13 years, 10, 10 plus years. They Things need, are stale. They, Things are stale. I think they do need a freshen up, don't they? So, when, so when, is your own goal Jogolo, or is it the German uh, Football Federation? It's all of them. Get rid of them all. <laughs> Get rid of them all. <laughs> Germany could pick three teams that are better than half, eighty percent of the nations going around, and 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 they've been awful. And it's time yeah. to regenerate. It's time. And you've to got the likes up. of Hummels and Tony Kroos and. Uh, um, a bunch of these German um, World Cup winners who are not getting up for a game. Yeah, something's got to change, hasn't possible? it? Yeah, it, it's got it's it's coming from the top. It's all stale. Get rid of it all. Start again. Start fresh. Bring some youth in. Change it up a bit, and I think you'll see a different Germany. There's something I think we can all agree on is that they need some change in that German management. New outfits as well. <laughs> <laughs> Alrighty, so the EPL was back this week after uh, two week a two week break for the international break, and look the the first game up last night was a real block, blockbuster, tongue twister as well. Um, Chelsea hosted uh, Man United. Colby, do you want to walk us through the, the key points? Unexpected blockbuster, yeah, Tommy. I'll happily walk you through it. So Chelsea, yep, have ma- maintained their unbeaten start to the season in the Mourinho derby. <laughs> Uh, yeah, first off with a goal for Rudiger. Great header, but Pogba was asleep for it. Yeah, on, I think on, he's, Instagram. Yeah, on Instagram. <laughs> Daniel said right. he was on Instagram, so that was a great, was a great call. Uh, then two fantastic Anthony Martial finishes, both real strikers finishes. Uh, one falling to him in the box, which he brought down and just lashed at home. Um, the other, which he bent around a defender off the post and in. Uh, yeah, fantastic goals. Um, United then sort of grew back into the game in the second half. All Mourinho needed to do was see out a narrow lead, which you'd think is basically his specialty. Uh, was, was his specialty. In the 96th minute, sorry time, Ross Barkley just pops up and slots one home after David Luiz's header, header comes off the post and a follow-up from Rudiger's saved by De Gea. Uh, absolute scenes uh, in Chelsea. 
I've got to say, guys, um, the way the man you players were acting in the last 10 minutes of the game, just really trying to get <laughs> sort, of, sort of sort of, bit of bit of justice there, I think. They, 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 they banked the three points and, you know, Mourinho, Mourinho reverted back to parking the bus and it just didn't work. Well, and that's a good point because I, I thought that in the second half, um, Man United were really effective because... I they, don't think they were parking they, the bus as much as... Mourinho typically does either. No, they, they were still going no, forward. They, they were still they were attacking. On, no, they were very much on the front foot in that second half. Yeah. And they pressed higher up the field, a good 10 or 15 metres higher. Um, and Chelsea, I think, sort of struggled to deal with it. Because yeah. pretty much after Chelsea scored, they weren't really in the game for the next 60 minutes. No, they, they, they sort of were resting on their laurels a bit. They, they were probably thinking they were playing Man U from three, four weeks ago, yeah. as opposed to uh, you know, a fight Which is up. not an unfair... Uh, assumption. Well, you've got to give credit to Mourinho. I mean, he, he put Martial, Matter in, and, and, and I think they were the catalyst for, for them taking taking the lead. Really. Yeah, Martial was absolutely clinical. Two shots, two goals. Well, something something that jumped out to me as well, you mentioned Matter, um, and I think he, his involvement in the game was key because, uh, first of all, him nipping in front of David Luiz down on the sideline. To rescue a, that ball. Yep, yep, yep. There was that. But also... Um, he played a really interesting role in the game where he pretty much, not man-marked, but he was never too far away from Jorginho. And Jorginho was limited to 35 passes in the first half, which that is way, way yeah, down on what he's been late. doing like all, all season. And um, like uh, Mourinho has shown that like he, he's not opposed to sort of using that man-marking tactic. And, and Ashley Young did the same job on um, and Hazard as well. Yeah, and Ander, Ander Herrera did it. I think in I think it was last season last against season, Hazard. Yeah, that's and right. he's he, he's happy to do some really well, different things tactically. There was which... a real real emphasis on on really getting close to Hazard, br- bringing him down, being physical every time he touched the ball. Yeah, he got clattered a few times, didn't he? In the first ten minutes, <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't uh, subtle. It was yeah, not subtle no, exactly, but like. This is this is what football is at the highest level, and you you have to you have to nullify your opposition's strengths and um, sort of uh, yeah their strengths and and try and work against their weaknesses so that you can score goals. And they I think they did a good job of that in that second half. No, and, and yeah, credit to Mourinho for coming out with a game plan and and picking guys who did did the job for him on the day. Mm. I've got to say. Yeah. Uh, Real from a from a Chelsea perspective, when the game was not going our way, he really seemed Sari seemed to wait a long time to to get Murata off, and I think Giroud was only in the game for what ten or fifteen minutes. But some of his link up play with Hazard, he really sort of attempted to get that momentum shifted back towards Chelsea and Chelsea attacking, along with Ross Barkley as well. I always feel like he was playing the long game of if if Murata scores here, it'll be helpful for the next two or three four weeks. Not realizing that well, the game's getting away from you here, mate. Like yeah, you, you need to do something. Trying to give yeah. Murata minutes, wasn't he? Yeah. I mean, the, the the only reason why I thought maybe Murata was preferred over Giroud was probably because Giroud was was out on internationals. I don't know what Murata whether Murata was playing for Spain. I don't think he was. Yeah, well, I mean, <laughs> he might. I, I don't know, but uh, so he might have been the fresher guy coming into the game. But you know, once it ticked over that to sort of seventy minutes and the sub hadn't changed, I was sort of. Personally, wondering what was going on. Check so, and make sure that Sari wasn't on Instagram yeah, or something. Yeah, I don't know, but um, <laughs> punching darts on the on the yeah. touchline. I mean, between the th- the three of us here, did did anyone think Murata was going to score? I mean, 
He didn't look like it. Did he looked he? he like, looked very directionless, um, without any kind of discernible hold up play. I'm not too sure what he was offering. His what? positioning was wrong at times. We you know we were, we were looking a number of times when Chelsea were playing balls into the box. Morata was hovering somewhere, or, you know, on, on top of the 18 yard box when he should have been on the penalty spot. And um, there are just a number of instances Ball watching, where he which was, you don't see a lot of at yeah. this level, right? Well, it might, this might sound a bit harsh, but it, it sort of seemed like you know when you you call in a ringer to come play with your you know 11 aside <laughs> yeah. team he says he's a striker so you play him up front and you sure, you know realize pretty quickly that this guy's never played up front before in his life or... <laughs> you call him out after <laughs> yeah. like, hey, when was the last time you played up front so oh, yeah i said never. i was a left back didn't i yeah. <laughs> i was a bit confused why you played me up front <laughs> and i think one one other sort of sort of chelsea tactical point uh, i'd raise and maybe not so much in a big game where where you're playing maybe Man U, Arsenal, Man City kind of kind of game, but I, I feel like if Chelsea want to dominate the ball and score goals, you've you've already got an issue up front, and then you've almost got Jorginho and Kante playing uh, playing not a similar role, but they're both sort of sort of defensive midfielders at at best. So you you, you sort of lose a little bit of attacking thrust when you play both of them. Yeah, not very direct, are they? And they you saw the they can't you saw take the a man on. They're not and sort of a, you know effective through balls beating beating players. That that's not yep. their game. So yep. I mean, I would I would almost say, apart from those five or six huge games, you you don't need to play both of them at the same time. Like it's it's one or the other, and then you can bring in Fabregas, you can bring in Barkley. You can you can drop Hazard a little bit back and play Pedro and William. Oh, we've said this on the podcast before. I know Tommy's mentioned it as well. Under under Sari. Um, Kante almost doesn't fit into this into this squad. I think the three of us even last night, boys, we were saying that, like in a, in some games, I think against better opposition, they need to play Kovacic and Barkley in the same team with Jorginho behind them because Kante can't really do Jorginho's role either. Like because well, I mean, Jorginho, like we've said before, and, and Andy's made the same point that he's he's the little general on the field. He's he's the manager on the field, like making little directional um, like. Basically directing people around the field. You saw last night, Kante a couple of times got in these advanced positions and he sort of didn't know what to do. He wasn't sort Hesitates, of natural. He? It's not mm. his natural game and he sort of looked to pass it sideways or back when another guy like a, a Barkley or a Fabregas or anyone anyone sort of with who's sort of schooled in that, you know, number sort of eight sort of to ten. Just a bit more confident yeah. like um, in like that a, sort yeah. of final third of the pitch. And, and I think that's it. It's some of it's confidence and... You've got the best number six in the world, and you're trying to play him as an eight. I mean, that's it's a pretty simple problem uh, on the surface. Uh, so, George, what's uh, what's Chelsea's best midfield then? Oh, look, I'm I'm still. I think Barkley's in in really good form, and he, he deserves a start. But um, you know, Fabregas is is sort of now fit, and and I'd like to see if Jorginho's getting you know hundreds of touches a game, and and we're controlling thousands of touches. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> if if we're dominating the ball and you know, we, we, we're dictating play. I'd, I'd sort of like to see Fabregas playing alongside him and 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 then, um, you know, it might even it might even bring Murata into the game because it, I, I feel like Murata sort of feeds off, off sort of through balls, balls over the top, um, getting played in, and Kante can't do it, so... No. Yeah, Murata's not really who you want when you're playing a team that's going to sit back and absorb pressure. Um, you sort, yeah, like you said, George, you you sort of want Murata playing when a team's gonna gonna press really high, and we've seen him do that against uh, teams like Arsenal, where he, you know, he he sort of beats you on the halfway line with a ball over the top, and then can 
run and uh, finish it off one on one, or you know, sort of even um, w- with a defender trying to chase him down. So we've mentioned Fabregas, and we haven't really talked a lot about Fabregas this year, like either off the pod or on the pod. Um, and I've, I've sort of was thinking to myself just then that, like, I don't really see Fabregas being mobile enough now for Sarri's system. Like, he just doesn't get around the pitch in the same way that any of those sort of four midfielders that we've talked about so it's, far it, do. It's true. It's true. But he I still, does have a superior passing range. I still would but, like to see him play when we're when we're dominating teams and dominating the ball. You can kind of get mm-hmm. away with it a little bit, and especially if you have. But their movement unlocks those sort of inferior teams that they're going to dominate, and like I think it is, it's against like a a better team that. Um, like that, that movement can help, but you also need to. Sort of, yeah. That's when Kante's weaknesses are, exp- or, yeah. you know, kind of exposed. Yeah. And, um, it's a it's a weird problem for Chelsea to have because, it, like we were just saying, I don't think they really have a best midfield. It's it's very situational dependent. It's. And it's and I'm um, and I'm saying what's going on in the midfield is is affecting the strikers. So. Mm. That that could be a reason why you know the strikers aren't scoring as much as as they as they should be, and they're not getting the types of chances that suit them. Mm. But uh, I mean, I I would still stick Jurid in before Murata, and I think you saw yeah, it last agree, night. A couple little touches he had with Hazard and Pedro, just playing it to his feet. And I mean, even if he's not going to score, he's he's still got quite a high assist um, per game. If, so I I, I it, think. I think, I think if, be... you, if you play if you play Drew, there isn't that same uh, pressure on Kante to contribute because he's bringing in all of these other pieces into play. Whereas if you play Murata, then then Kante needs to be sort of contributing. Which yeah. I think those two, you'd almost say, well, if you play Murata, then they're you not can't complimentary, play Kante, right? They're like... not complementary, and 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 that's sort of it hasn't been exposed too much this season, but it, it could be, and you know. Going forward, I, I think teams would, would would try and hone in on that. Yeah. yeah, so still a lot of a lot of things for Surrey to work out under under his system. Um, boys, let's switch to United now. Um, Martial was obviously amazing. Um, got a stat here: since his debut in September twenty fifteen, he scored more goals in all competitions for United than any other player. How ridiculous is that? Unbelievable. <laughs> Seems like he only plays once every three weeks Absolutely. or something. Yeah. So, yeah. so um, is he going to get a new contract? And if he is offered one, should he take it? Didn't he just sign a new one? Like no, that was uh, was... Ashley Young. Uh, sorry, uh, Luke Shaw just signed no. a new one. I think Martial's coming out of contract. Um, well, regardless of his contract status, I mean... He's, should he stay he's, at United? Well, he's still young. You know, you forget what he burst onto the scene when they... Well, the, how much did they pay for him back in... Uh, it was a record. It was for, a record. For and, a teenager at the time when he came over from and he, and he And he was really, really effective when he came in in that first season. I think, man, you were struggling, but he was he was a shining light. And then he kind of disappeared and confidence has affected him. He, you know, dropped out and of... He got put out wide because he came in as a number nine. Um, he was wearing the number nine, or the cursed number nine of uh, now of United. And, well, they got uh, Lukaku in as well. So, I mean... He, he kind of has to play on that wide. Even before Lukaku, though, he was being pushed out wide, same as Rashford as well. Um, and they both played in this game, and both in wide positions. Um, you know, with with Lukaku not offering much uh, either. So this this game was really the tale of two two number nine, two troubled number nines who don't really offer much to their club. Um, so, yep. so you just get, did a quick Google search, and it, as it turns out, there was some rumours a couple, of, I think, about six weeks ago about Martial having signed a new contract, but. Um, in the last couple of days, there's been some reports that well, it never actually got done. Yeah, and so um, yeah, like it, 
it's not a done deal. It's it, they do need to lock him into a new long term deal. Well, if, that, that's if, the if thing. They do, want to hold does on Mourinho to does Mourinho want to play Martial? I mean, he seems to have avoided it at all costs. Uh, well, uh, I think he's playing Martial instead of playing Sanchez at the moment. And is that is that a long term? <laughs> yeah, but is that a long term? Like you've got a, you've got a guy who's earning five hundred pounds of five hundred thousand pounds a week sitting on the bench. It's it's, it's just, not a good situation. Would you it's just sign, such a mind fuck? Would isn't you sign it? a contract at Man U with the uncertainty about Mourinho though, or would you wait and see what's going to happen? Because you don't know whether you're in or you're out. Or... I think as a player, you'd probably wait it out because you you probably think, oh look, Mourinho's not going to be here for too much longer. You'd expect, even though he's recently signed a new contract himself, but that mm. doesn't mean no, much. I don't think that means much. Um, yeah, so I think you think if you're Martial, you're probably biding your time. Yeah, I don't know. I think he's he's a good player. He's obviously low on confidence, but although that seems to be, uh, you know, building at the moment or going forward, so it's just whether he's going to get enough games under his belt to actually make an impact. Mm. The other United player I wanted to talk about was Pogba. Obviously, he's he was asleep for the first goal, but he more than made up for it, um, particularly in the second half where he sort of um, was a playmaker, he did all the right things defensively and general, generally sort of imposed himself back into the game. Um, but we, should we be expecting a bit more from a World Cup winning Manchester United sort of captain, sort of maybe not the captain? <laughs> it's almost, almost like the the pressure or the responsibility is too much for him at times. Like, like he, he, he shows in sort of fits and starts that like he's capable and he is capable of being sort of that £90 million pound player. But... It's almost like he can't do it for a whole game or he can't do it for multiple games say, in a row. And you're like, mate, I've got to say, building on that, it seems like he really needs to, he needs to like, be in the mindset to prove everyone wrong for him to actually start playing properly. Because, you know, he obviously made that mistake in on the corner for the first goal. And then sort of straight yeah. after that, he, he was almost unplayable. Like some of the driving he did from sort of defensive midfield to that forward block, he was unstoppable. And yeah. he just looked like a completely different player. So... Maybe he just needs to stuff up in the first minute of every game and then play eighty nine <laughs> other good minutes. Surely, like there's some like hypnotism or something yeah. you can do like pre game. Well, man, you've got enough money, yeah. yeah. But just like oh, means that you don't actually have to go like one or two nil down before Pogba starts playing. Yeah, well, I don't know. He seems to have the right environment and mindset when he goes away on international duty, but that just doesn't seem to be replicated at Man U. And I think there's other issues going on as well in- internally at the club, which is probably. Not, not helping his mindset, I guess. I personally think the captaincy helps him concentrate because as we've seen um, when he was at Juventus and when he plays for France, when he feels like within the dressing room, he's the man and he's the leader and he's, he's, sort, of, he's sort of made to feel that way. I think that's when you get the best out of Pogba. Yeah, uh, and I mean, if he, if, he, if he can't get up for a game against Chelsea... Yeah, what are you going to get? What are you going to get? I mean, does it have to be a World Cup final for him to to sort of knuckle down? But it's a bit like that derby at the end of last season against um, City, how like Man United went really at the races, and then the second half came out and scored three goals and won the game. And you're like, well, it's very very similar scenario, really, isn't it? Um, I don't know. Maybe he just needs a manager to put his arm around him and think so. Like Deschamps, Deschamps, or uh, (laughs) who was it? Conte, Conte, yeah, that's right. So. I just I think it's got to do with the environment. It's got to do with some of the outside pressure getting into his head, and and it sort of is affecting him. There's no doubt about it. And you can't have that much of a different sort of mindset when you. As soon as he goes and plays for France, it's yeah. all good. Comes back to England for his day job and just can't can't get it get right, get his head right. Yeah. So speaking of the manager who <laughs> won't put his arm around you, the, the match was almost overshadowed by the implosion that Mourinho had. 
after Chelsea's uh, Sari time equaliser was scored uh, when one of the Chelsea assistants ran past the technical area or maybe into the technical area. Um, he was almost into Mourinho's lap. And no, Mourinho, got, Mourinho got... chased him off and, you know, had to be separated by Sari and other match officials. Um, apparently, uh, Sari's apologised to Mourinho straight after the match and said, look, I'm going to resolve the problem with the internal man- with the assistant manager internally. Boys, what do you reckon that conversation's going to look like? Well, I've got a bit of a theory about this, actually, because watching, watching, <laughs> the, watching, the li- watching the game live, he, he sort of did run past Man U's technical area, but there's actually this photo... And jump online and have it's, a look. It's on the more than a game Facebook oh, Twitter yeah. page. So, <laughs> so it's, it, there's a photo and it looks like he's celebrating Ryan in Mourinho's yeah, face. Someone's but getting I, Ryan I, in there. I just, I just think it's a, it's the angle of the photo that's making it look bad. And I, I just think Mourinho was being a bit of a sore loser. Oh, it's not a, <laughs> not an unfair guess. He hasn't reacted well to it, but I mean, the the Chelsea bench aren't coming from a position of strength, are they? Like, and I think Sarri's kind of acknowledged that. Yeah, that that wasn't that wasn't real great. Well, Jurgen Klopp does it every week in front of the opposition's technical areas, though. He's running it's what up you down expect from Jurgen Klopp, though. But um, I think he he's more focused on his own team, whereas this was very much focused at Mourinho. Yeah, I'll... not even the rest of the the Man United bench. It was just Mourinho. Um, well, he didn't. Re- and did you see after the game him putting the? Uh, he the, gave the three the, fingered three salute fingers to the Chelsea yeah. fans. Of course, he did. Which is so weird. Like I, mean, I would have thought he would be loved at Chelsea, but it's just no. I mean, he 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 is sort of loved, and he did bring us you know but through gritted but, teeth, isn't it? But at the end of the day, he got sacked twice, and yeah. when he got sacked, it was pretty toxic. Yeah, and he did leave a bit of a mark on the club. And there was the scandal with the physio and all all of that stuff that mm. happens, and it wasn't. It, it definitely wasn't. Um, Parting on good terms. No, not twice, twice. Yeah. So I mean, it's it's a bit of a it's a and and some of the way he carries himself doesn't endear him to the the Chelsea supporters and and you know you don't have to remind us that he that he won three titles. Everyone knows, every, everyone <laughs> yeah. in football knows, and and just sort of that sort of stuff, you know, gets you on your back a little bit, I guess. And it's it's hard to love him, even when he is your manager. It's hard to love him at the best of times. So hard to love United's kit. Oh, those, that, uh, those oh, white shorts. I hated that. White shorts with the black fade. It was, it was quite jarring. With with the black shorts, it looks nice. Yeah. The, but with white shorts, oh my goodness. Oh, you think a club, kill me now. You think a club like Man U could sort out a, a kit? Well, Spurs is the same. They yeah. have the same, the same Nike template. It's like as if the one guy... Just, just, <laughs> yeah. It's like the, as if the one guy just sets it up and then farms it out to all the teams and he's got the one template. It is so. exactly <laughs> like that. <laughs> So Chelsea now are sitting two points behind uh, their rivals, Liverpool and City. Chelsea's title rivals, Liverpool and City, both continued their own unbeaten runs. Uh, Liverpool did so pretty comfortably at Huddersfield, getting up 1-0, as managers Jurgen Klopp and David Wagner faced off in the best mates derby, (laughs) (laughs) with uh, Wagner obviously being Klopp's best man at his wedding. Um, so, yeah, look, uh, looks nice like... Little, nice yeah. little gift for him as well. <laughs> a little wedding let him, have, let him have the one nil victory. Yeah. Um, this one was a pretty, pretty average game, um, decided by just the one goal. Uh, Salah, he's back after his four-goal drought. Um, with a perfectly weighted pass from Sheridan Shakiri. Salah's just stroked it across the keeper with his weaker foot. Nice finish. Yeah, tidy little finish. Um, yeah, so this game saw a bit of rotation for Liverpool and uh, showed off the depth of the squad, I thought. Rotation? Uh, rotation. Forced rotation. <laughs> <laughs> a bit of forced rotation, but call it what you will. Uh, so, yeah, Hendo came back into the starting lineup. Uh, Shen Jakiri got a start. Lalana got a start. 
Uh, I'd totally forgotten about Lalanne, to be honest. Yeah. Do you know who else I'd forgotten about? Divock Origi. He was in the squad. He didn't feature, <laughs> but he was on the bench at least. Um, Shows how big the injury crisis at Liverpool is right now. Yeah. So, <laughs> <laughs> uh, look, great for Liverpool to continue their winning ways. Um, 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 after almost a month after their last win, if you could believe that, uh, against Southampton uh, back at the end of September. Um, but, but yeah, given the quality of their opponents, obviously um, that winless run is fine, you would say. Um and, but, you know, important to get them going again, particularly against newly promoted teams, which have been banana skins for Liverpool in the past. Um, it was a much closer game to, than expected. And if it was a team, any team other than Huddersfield, who are just absolutely, absolutely can't buy a goal at the moment, you yeah. might have been worried. But, um, yeah, great for Liverpool to, um, to, to uh, continue that. Uh, Tommy, what are your thoughts on this game? Um, I mean, just another, another game, I thought... This could have been a, a potential banana skin for Liverpool, given that they had so many players out, and things have kind of dropped off a little bit in the last last month. Yeah. But um, the fact that yeah they've just managed to get a single goal, they've kept another clean sheet, and yeah, it's against Huddersfield don't have a lot of goals in them, but still, like you you still got to do the business right, and yeah they they're kind of winning ugly at the moment, um, which is not something we're kind of used to saying about Liverpool the last couple of years. Yeah. That's and right. Salah, Salah scored, so that'll help him, help his confidence. Salah scored his, his 50th goal in England. Oh, wow. um, That's incredible, isn't it? In 83 games. Far so. out. One season wonder, though. <laughs> um, the, the other couple of notes that I had from this one, uh, the uh, James Milner handball just before half-time. It uh, jumped up off his uh, off his thigh into the box, onto his outstretched arm. That didn't get picked up. The ref had a clear view of it. Another case of VAR in the Premier League. <laughs> More more on that later. Yeah, more, more <laughs> on that later as we cover the Melbourne Varby. Uh, the only other note I had here was uh, Lovren. I thought actually had a shocker that got let off. Um, he was asleep uh, in the box a few times. Um, he as he's against a bigger team, he did, he would get punished. Yeah, absolutely. Also, well, Gomez started as the he was the right fullback, wasn't he? Right fullback. Over Trent Alexander Arnold, as he has been in the in the past. And yeah, um, I'm not too sure what's happening with Arnold. Um, whether he's uh, sort of still being rested, or Klopp's trying to, you know, sort of I don't keep him hungry a, well, and yeah. give them both a bit of a run, like to say, yeah, you're gonna get, you're gonna play five games, and then you're gonna sort of swap out instead of changing them out every second week, which is, I guess another way of managing like two young players who um, both deserve to be playing. Absolutely, They're both doing really well. Yeah, so uh, City also uh, did the business, but uh, in typical emphatic <laughs> City style. Um, at home, uh, they were hosting Burnley. They got up 5-0, five different goal scorers. Yeah, we, we were saying yesterday that um, th- Burnley could get tonked. They or, bloody did, didn't yeah, they? And they did, yeah. <laughs> or, or it could have been like a, a bit of a banana skin for City because, I mean, Burnley looked like they've kind of turned the corner a little bit in the last couple of weeks. Um, before the international window, but um, I thought Joe yeah. Hart had a good game. He kept the score at one nil and I think two nil for a little while. It was one nil for a long time. Yeah, yeah, making a couple of really really great saves, pulling a couple out. Um, what do you take away from this one, Tommy? Are Burnley are Burnley in real trouble, or is this just City just banging in goals for fun? This is just the City juggernaut rolls on really. Like um, uh, Kevin De Bruyne returned as well. Sterling didn't minutes. play at all in this game. How scary is that? Yeah. Like, and I think Sterling is their second highest goal scorer behind Aguero. It's, it's frankly, it's ridiculous, the, the depth, isn't it? The depth in the final third is nothing short of frightening. Yeah. 
Uh, but that's massive for City that De Bruyne is back, obviously. Like, yeah, when, when they're playing well um, and everything's sort of chugging along quite happily, they have saved shown they don't need De Bruyne, but um, it's a long season and... He will, he will, I guess, drive that, um, drive that quality throughout the squad now because he's a real leader there for them. So yeah, and a real title race as well with uh, City and Liverpool each on twenty three points and Chelsea just behind them on twenty one points. Yeah, with Spurs. Yeah, are they, they going to take uh, Chelsea and Liverpool going to take City all the way? Ooh. how close do you see this as being? I don't know. I think um, it's going to be interesting to see who who next drops points out of sort of those those two to th- two or three teams. Like, um, yeah, and and how long that is. If if teams are not regularly dropping points, but sort of maybe every fifth game dropping points. Otherwise, this could turn into sort of like a shootout. Like, um, I can't. Remember, I think it was the two thousand eleven or two thousand ten season in um, in Spain where Barcelona and Real Madrid both got like both got record points hauls for. Um, and Real Madrid, I think, had 95 points or something and ended up coming second. And you go, geez, that's awful. But we could have that sort of scenario again, but in the Premier League this yeah, time. Yeah, usually it's um, usually you, you sort of get an indication of where things are at by about Christmas time, don't yep, you? Yep. So, uh, yeah, shaping up to be uh, quite the title race. Well, I think Liverpool kind of need to rediscover their mojo a little bit because, yeah, it's, it's all well and good to, to beat... Huddersfield, but they kind of they're going to come up against these are the teams they couldn't, they couldn't beat in seasons past. So, I think true, that, but I think like the likes of Watford and Wolves are going to be bigger tests for them, and and more the the banana skin of, of seasons past. I don't think Huddersfield is one of those at the moment because Huddersfield not even as good as Huddersfield were last year because I think they're not not quite as fresh and just a bit worn out after getting togged nonstop for the last yeah, twelve months. They're cooked. Yeah. Um, speaking of cooked and down the other end of the table, um, Cardiff hosted Fulham and oh. got up 4-2, didn't they? Yeah, this was a bit of a surprise. I actually, I thought Fulham would have would have been good value here. So you would have thought. Um, how many how many goals have Fulham uh, conceded now? They have conceded 25 goals is... in nine games. So that's averaging close to three goals a game. That's unreal, isn't it? That is textbook leaky ship. <laughs> yeah. Look, and that's the kind of thing that sends a ship down, like uh, to to the bottom of the sea, really, isn't yeah. it? Like, but, so um, the, yeah, <laughs> they've, they've got to do something to plug those uh, plug those holes. Um, yeah, so a couple of good goals in this one. Uh, Sherla bending one in from thirty yards. Uh, Josh Murphy for Cardiff had quite a nice finish across mm. the face. Sesson uh, Young became the the first player born in the twenty first century to score. Yeah, that's right. Um, yeah, great for him as well. He loves it against Cardiff. Uh, scoring um, against Cardiff every time he's played him, he scored five goals against them. Wow. So happy hunting ground <laughs> yeah. for uh, for Sessegnon. Um And uh, yeah, so uh, the Cardiff ended up getting up 4-2, obviously. Uh, this is uh, a relegation scrap, I think you would probably expect. A relegation shootout, really, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah, with um, six goals. Yeah. And, and up until this point, Cardiff haven't looked like scoring a lot of goals. But, so for them to score four, I think it... It's an indication of how how grim things are at Fulham in some ways. Like everyone got really excited about them in an attacking sense, and they are scoring. I think they've scored eleven goals so far, which is not bad. A lot more than sort of all of the other t- uh, teams around them in the table. But if you're going to concede twenty five, geez, you need to be scoring twenty five goals as well. And they've invested heavily too. Don't forget. Um, so should we be should we be expecting more from Fulham given the amount they've invested to stay up? Yeah. Well, I mean. I think by this time last year we'd had a coach sacked, 
Um, so it's going to be interesting to see. I think even Fulham, you'd say they might be the, the first ones to, to pull the trigger. It's looking a bit that way. Interesting um, to see the odds there uh, with Mourinho always mm. uh, always there or thereabouts in his third season at any club. Um, and maybe, maybe that's something that we'll put up on the on the Facebook page or, or Twitter page this week is who's who's most likely to get um, uh, sacked first. first out. Yeah, good time to ask it as well. Yeah. Uh, and so, Tommy, you were saying, um, yeah, Fulham uh, need to really do something. So Cardiff <laughs> actually got the win here. Does this does this say anything about them? potentially being able to stay up, or would you say this is more uh, an indication that, that Fulham are pretty leaky? Good question. Good question. Um, <laughs> Great question. Uh, stalling, stalling for thinking time. Yeah. Um, look, Cardiff have looked really off the pace against all of the other Premier League teams that they've played, and look, Cardiff obviously showed last year that they're a very good championship side, and they're essentially almost the same team now. So, look... I still can't see them staying up. I think they've shown that they do have some goals in them, but I think it's, they're still up against it. And uh, a question, I guess, that uh, all the listeners will be interested to know. Uh, Tommy, you've picked Fulham to finish 10th. Are you revising <laughs> your predictions yet? So I've, uh, I, think, I feel like I'm asking you this every week. But... It's a long season. <laughs> Okay. Plenty of time. All right. Maybe the, maybe the new manager in a month's time will get some good results for them. Mm. <laughs> Wolves, I forgot about Watford. that. <laughs> <laughs> I'll remind you. Oh, yeah. Wolves-Watford. So, Watford got up 2-0 away at the Molyneux. Um, so, this was the first ever Premier League meeting of these two sides in in the top... Well, first ever Premier League meeting and their first meeting in the top flight for over 35 seasons. Wow. So, yeah, a bit of a historic matchup. Um Wolves, again... Two, two of the very uh, most cosmopolitan teams in the Premier League as well, like... To, Sorry, to the fa- to the favourites of the uh, the podcast as well, yeah. Um, but yes, we're we're back on the Watford bandwagon. Uh, you'll be pleased to know. Uh, were you surprised about the result here? I was actually. Um, not only um, uh, in Wolves conceding two goals, where they've been very secure at the back all season so far, but also uh, Watford getting up two nil away after being tonked by Bournemouth uh, the other week, mm. and also after uh, also having no Deeney in the squad, mm. Gray starting on the bench, and mm. you've got Isaac Success uh, starting up the front. And red success. The red success. <laughs> they've been and like Watford are a team that have got goals in them, and that's. Uh, you know, n- not only not only in their strikers, but they've got goals across the team. Yeah, well, the last season their top scorer was Decore, mm. who's like the holding midfielder. Like, well, he's he's a bit more than that, but like box to box. He's but not. A, he's, he's not. Don't a, have a great shot on him either. He's just or in the right finds himself in the right place. Yeah, and just absolutely thunders it. But he's um, yeah, and look, I think Pereira and Will Hughes have been really really good for for them this season. I think Pereira is thriving uh, now that he doesn't have uh, Rich Allison to compete with actually. Oh, yeah, because yeah. I think he might have been on the other side last... No, actually, we just I think wasn't Richarl- getting a game. Richarlison took his spot last yep, season. Yep, yep. Uh, Pereira started the season well, and Richarlison um, took his spot. Uh, and he's he's loving life now um, that he's the sort of one of the main men across that front line. So, uh, great for him. Um but yeah, a case of a case of bang bang. They scored in the twentieth minute and fifty eight seconds later, wow. uh, straight off kick off, they won it back and um, yeah, pounced. Uh, it shows how important it is, like that first five minutes after you concede or you score, like that to win games can be schoolyard stuff. Exactly, and like we even say that on Saturdays. But it's it's so so important that if you're not paying full attention, like can the game can be taken away from you. And I think that's kind of what happened. 
Wolves had a state in the match, they probably would have thought that they were decent enough value to be able to nick a goal or maybe get a point, but it just wasn't to be. Yeah, and uh, Wolves have also been quite good going forward this season, as well as being good defensively. They had only one attempt on target, which I think was Decore with a back heel in the box, but <laughs> a, ho- a very hopeful back heel. Um, so not a good outing for Wolves uh, on either end. Um, don't know... But um, they didn't embarrass themselves either, and, and I think we've... I think everyone probably is agreeing now that look, Wolves are going to be very safe this season from relegation. They, they're going to be comfortably mid-table. And I looked at this and said, yeah, like it just wasn't their day. One of those they, games. They're still going to be good the next week and for the rest of the season, I think. So, um, yeah. Yeah, we might just whip through the rest of the results. There's uh, not not too much to speak of. Bournemouth Southampton played out. Very little to discuss very there. Very little to discuss. <laughs> There's a played out a very boring nil-all draw. Um, Charlie Austin again getting a chance and doing nothing, <laughs> just it running wide. it out. Hoiberg <laughs> with a couple of uh, well hit long bombs that were straight at the keeper, but that was uh, pretty much it there. And um, that's you you got a, about as much as you'd expect off off on paper or, or out of that game. Um, you might have expected Bournemouth to to do a bit more, but um, I, I thought they would have. They're, they're, a bit, the they're a bit on and off Bournemouth uh, this season, aren't they? They, you know, one one week they'll be banging in four or five goals and and just look to be freewheeling and swashbuckling footballers, and then mm. the next week they, they can't score against Southampton. So weird things happen in derbies, though, don't they? <laughs> yeah. Uh, Newcastle and Brighton. Uh, Brighton won away. Uh, great result for them. Uh, Matty Ryan with some cracking saves, mm. uh, keeping a very well earned clean sheet in this game. Well, that's huge. And, yeah, like, Brighton, like, they've been pretty awful away from home. So, I think three points, particularly against oh, a relegation uh, rival, is 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 huge. And it leaves Newcastle. I'm pretty sure they did last now. Yep. They've lost their opening uh, five home league games. So, um, that's, not a, that's not a record you want. And Newcastle and Huddersfield, only teams that are still yet to register a win. Yeah, it's, that's pretty average. Um, yeah, speaking of revising predictions, I think... Um, I might have to revise my Brighton prediction of uh, being relegated. They're looking, they're looking stronger than I gave them credit for at the start of the season. They're doing well. They're doing well. Uh, speaking of doing well, uh, Tottenham did well in the next game <laughs> against uh, West Ham, but uh... it was actually a pretty average game. To be honest. <laughs> what, was, what was going on, Tommy? Uh, so uh, Spurs were missing Ericsson uh, and Deli Ali, um, and. Kane, I'm pretty sure, came off even with like 10 or 15 minutes to go. And Lorente came on. Who? Who? Talking about f- forgotten footballers. There's one for you. I think he's played about 15 minutes in the last 18 months at Spurs. Um, uh, I think but, even Spurs forgot about him. Because yeah. he was supposed to be the Harry Kane, you know, there to give the Harry Kane a bit of there a was rest. The plan B. Now and again. was the plan B. But they never used him. Yeah. They just put him in a drawer and forgot about him. Pretty much. And I think it's a real contributor to why... Um, uh, there's why Kane is so physically and mentally tired, I think. Yeah, all right. Well, why don't we get on to previews in a moment? Uh, overnight tonight, rounding out uh, match week nine, uh, is Everton and Crystal Palace. So Everton coming off the back of two wins. Gilfie Sigerson looking in some good form. We might see uh, Yeri Mina and maybe Andre Gomez, who knows? Um, and Palace, <laughs> yeah, <cool. laughs> Palace yeah. coming off the back of uh, a couple of losses, not in great form. Uh, boys, uh, score predictions for this one. 
All right, I'm going to say evident are starting to look good. Things are starting to click. So I'm I'm going to I'm going to say two uh, one with Zaha scoring for Crystal Palace. Well, good point because Zaha's actually in doubt for this. Oh so. well, oh! I think, uh, then I might revise that to two <laughs> nil. <laughs> I'm saying three nil Everton because I think Everton are just going to be too good. Yeah, three nil Everton. <laughs> Arsenal Leicester is the game that closes out uh, game week nine. Tasty this one. Yeah. This fixture was high scoring goals, last goals, year. Yeah, four three. If you remember that one, Arsenal taking that one out. Uh, Arsenal also in great form, having won. I don't know, at least like what are they? Seven, eight in eight, a row now. Eight, eight games in all competitions. They, yeah, they've, and they've Lacazette and Aubameyang on four goals each. Uh, this is looking like it's there's there's going to be goals in it. Uh, boys, what what do you think? Score predictions. Uh, well, based on, I think, the last time we said that there would be goals, nil-nil. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, I've got, to, I've got to say, both teams, questionable defences. There's going to be goals. 3-2 yeah. to Arsenal for me. I'm going to say 3-1 Arsenal. Very nice. And the A-League is also back after, you know, six or so months without live football in the country. Uh, great to have it back. So on Friday night... Um, Adelaide United and Sydney FC played out a one-all draw, but the um, the the game of the weekend so far, at least, was the Melbourne derby uh, last night, uh, where Melbourne City got up two-one in somewhat controversial circumstances. <laughs> VAR assist for one of the goals. <laughs> yeah, the Melbourne derby people are calling it. Uh, so yeah, goal, goals on debut for Honda and Richie Delot. Um, there was a controversial uh, VAR decision though when. Um, Corey Brown was adjudged to have taken down Fornaroli in the box. Um, boys, what did you think about this one? Have you seen the replay since uh, we were we were all at the ground last night? It looked looked like a penalty to us, but we were sitting in uh, in the nosebleeds. So, <laughs> yeah. uh, what did you think after seeing the coverage? Look, I, I think what happened was he, he dived. <laughs> no, no, I think there was contact. But <laughs> The the issue that's an idiot, that's a key word to this, isn't it? If Contact. You, but the, the so regardless of whether it was or, or wasn't a penalty, what what happened is he 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 called a foul and then VAR checked where the foul was. So yeah. as as soon as they realised that the foul occurred in the box, it has to be a penalty. I don't know whether he could have reversed the entire decision or whether what what sending the qu- question to the VAR was where where was the foul as opposed to was it a foul? And and that's a good point. Like. Hopefully, they're reviewing the whole thing. Because, I mean, you're watching it. You don't have to just watch one aspect of it. And um, Does anyone know, though? How much discretion does do they have to kind of say, hey, actually, it wasn't that much contact. I wouldn't even bother calling it a foul. I don't know the answer to that question, but I you just assume the they have the power to do that. I think the on-field referee was like, yeah, I'm happy that it's a foul. Yeah. I just don't know where it was. Yeah. And if that's the case, if he in his own mind still, after having seen God knows how many replays, he's still happy that yeah, it was definitely a foul. Well, because right, the on-field, well, the on-field the ref has the final call. say, don't exactly, they? Exactly, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, I, well, in, in, it sounds like in his sort of mind, he, he had called a foul. It was a foul to him. So it was just more about checking where the foul occurred. And I mean, even if this is was a wrong decision and there was some human error in it, if it, if it turns out that really on balance it was it was an error and VAR did stuff it up and and um, City got 
uh, a goal as a result of a VAR error. Isn't isn't that just swings and roundabout after what we saw in the um, in the final when Melbourne Victory won that under controversial VAR circumstances? Like it's 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 you, you, it's you come back to the same situation that you were in before, before VAR yeah, came it's in. It's almost like you where win some, you, win you some, lose some. some. Yeah, and there's no silver bullet for this. You you can't eliminate errors or controversy with, it's with just, yeah, decisions. Who's, like, it's where, just where the, the error is going to be? It's and statistically, <laughs> VAR has been shown to. Um, well, we saw it increase, Cup, uh, yeah. yeah, increase the accuracy of the of the refereeing, but you know it's not going to be a hundred percent. But it just seems like in in the big games, like the World Cup final, and I'm going to compare the Melbourne Derby to the World Cup final. Okay, well, as long as we can roll with that, it just seems like um, <laughs> it just seems like it, on the bigger games, it seems to be more controversial, obviously. But it seems like the the 50-50 decisions are, are often wrong in the in the big games, whereas VAR seemed to be work, you know, pretty well for the majority of the World Cup, I guess. And the final, I thought, was one where it was probably an error. But apart from that, I can't think of too many other ones. Yeah, and uh, the match winner came uh, quite deservingly to... Uh Impact sub, oh my goodness, Riley McGree, uh, <laughs> on the end of a delicious through ball and just slots it away for... Well, yeah, for... let's talk about some of the, the football, not worry yeah. about it. I think we're going to have to institute, institute a, a, like a podcast rule like for the coming weeks where... Like we we'll hit our quota of um, VAR discussions in about the second week, and then we yeah. won't be able to talk about it for the rest of the hit season. Hit our quota of more than a game and just talk about the game. Yeah, so yeah, it's yeah, like possibly. only football yeah. for twenty minutes. So, uh, I mean, what did you think? I mean, I thought um, victory started uh, a lot better than City. I actually thought both teams were dog shit in the first half. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the first wow. half was a pretty ordinary half yeah, of football, it was wasn't it? tough That to was, watch. A, yeah, six months of pre-season. A and lot of rust. A few cobwebs yeah. to dust off. Yeah. Um, but, which made it hard to get into as as, uh, as supporters there. And I, I think the, the broadly the crowd picked up on that as well, that the crowd was actually really flat. For the probably the, until the until the goal, which was I think about the thirtieth minute yeah. or thereabouts, um, and yeah, if you if it's a pretty dull first thirty minutes of a match, like I've got to say, particularly I've got to say that game, um, but, I thought victory still in especially in the first half, victory you could tell how they were playing. Whereas I can't say the same for City in the first half. Yeah, they didn't have an obvious game plan, did they? I couldn't see. You, you'd see Fauna Roli dropping deep and then picking up the ball on the left or right wing and no one was in the box. There was no Because he was supposed to be in the well, box. Yeah. But he, was, he wanted the Trying ball. Trying to get on the ball. So, and, and they, they weren't... So last year, City traditionally played, you know, with two wingers, really. And, and this season, it seems like their the, the wide game wasn't there and Fauna Roli didn't know what to do. And especially in the first half, I just couldn't see. You could see how victory were lining up and how they were playing. Like you had, you had an idea. You, whether or not you know King Kenny was effective or not is another story. But he, <laughs> uh, no, it's not another story. He was not effective at all. But they were, they, yeah, they, no they were, they were, yeah, no, no. But they were, they were use they were sort of playing him as he's the number nine. They're going to knock it into him, knock it down, play off. Honda Troy, so you could see what was the going on. The trouble is, he wasn't winning any aerial balls at all. I'd like to time. see his uh, six, you know, successful header um, attempted versus... I would love run. to see yeah. that. Headers stat. completed. Yeah, headers I mean, completed. <laughs> he, wasn't, he wasn't winning much in the air. He doesn't look like he has much in the way of strength yet. Uh, his balance was terrible as well. Get him in the gym. Get him, get yeah, him, get him I, on the weights. I, I don't know what, what, he's, what he's doing. I mean, yeah, of course, when Ola Toivonen comes in, you'd expect that Kenny will make an appearance off the bench every now and again and not be the main man, but... Um, he did do a nice dummy for the Honda goal, though that header that he missed. Or <laughs> <laughs> he meant that. Yeah, he meant that one. But um, <laughs> yeah. no, but yeah, my point is, I, th- I think you could see what Victory were doing in the first half, and I was sort of watching City and wondering how they were going to score a goal because mm. there weren't, there wasn't enough, you know, midfield run 
coming coming on and they weren't and that's linking a good point. up well. Like I think there was um there was at least four probably starters out of the, the city squad last night. Like they were missing Vitasic, who's a huge, huge personality for them and a really key key uh, outlet on that left hand side. Um, and I mean, Keanu, uh, sorry, Kieran Backus has been in the club what, well, what, five, five days, days and, and he started. gets a start in the derby. And, and that's like, it's weird. Half your so luck. There was a lot of injured players. So um, Malik, Vitasic, Scott Jamison. Oh, um, it's kind of surprising that uh, Birgitti didn't start, I think. But then Galekovic had a, had a great game. Galekovic yeah. actually had a really cracking well, game. Andy Corbinitas' favourite player, <laughs> listeners. Uh, you'll, you'll remember only, back Only to... player he knows. <laughs> No, so I've got to, I've got to say, but and and then th- that's sort of a good segue to discussing the the second half where I thought City started to actually start playing. I don't know what Warren Joyce said at half time. I don't or... know whether Warren Joyce remembered that he was supposed to tell the team his tactics until the second <laughs> half. They came out and just looked a completely different team. And, and they be... were good, weren't yeah, they? they? They were good. good. Yeah. They, watched, they, they were holding the ball, fizzing the ball around. Victory, and... victory weren't getting much of it in the, at the start of the second half. And they then... were just holding the ball, short passes, just yeah. really, yeah, teasing victory out of position and and just sort of playing with them, frustrating them as well. Mm. And because by this point the the crowd were awake, yeah, had been awoken by some yeah, of the goal, the, and the, then the victory fans didn't have any more seat covers to throw. Oh, <laughs> that was actually pretty entertaining. Uh, it was one of the most entertaining yeah, parts of the game. Yeah. <laughs> They seemed to coordinate it, so it was good. But I'd, I'd be interested to know if that was actually on, if they showed that on TV, because I mean, there was. Or you could point... see it on TV because um, whenever the camera came to the um, that oh, end, that goal, goal end, it yeah. was it was in the camera yeah, shot okay. behind the goal. Right. So, so everyone else like sort of at home saw that as well, because yeah. that was it that was, was quite a spectacle. But yeah, I mean, and then and then obviously Riley McGree comes on, and and I thought he had a, a really big impact. Just so much energy and drive and mobility. Well, he was which getting wasn't in the box. All, you know, he was. Um, it wasn't that. just Fornaroli, or if Fornaroli picked up the ball, he had someone he could knock, knock the, uh, knock a through ball into. Yeah, and having Riley play centrally as well, I think is going to be a great foil for Fornaroli this season, especially when as Fornaroli likes to get on the ball and drift out wide and sort of go wherever he wants. I think, I think you're going to see yeah, Riley making late runs into the box and and carrying the ball through. Well, yeah, like that's that. what they. Be, I think that's what they need. Yeah. And and then obviously that that's a it's a good sort of transition into the actual goal, which kind of came from a McGree run, um, and and a, a nice ball, a nice ball through. The, I don't know. Very what nice ball, split like three defenders. The perfect well, I, weight I, on it. I've, I've got to say they were they were already sort of split when the. Uh, <laughs> I don't know what they were doing, but um, there was a giant. I mean, I, I think we were all sort of screaming. There's a huge hole. Just knock the ball through, and it. you can see Put Riley making the run for about thirty meters. The defender tries to tra- tries to go with him. I don't know who it was, but the 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 guy who should have picked him up was just not keeping pace with him, and Riley just got out in front of him, used his strength for for a, for a young kid, uh, yeah, to to knock whoever that defender was off the ball and and slot it home was uh, yeah a, well, I mean, a worthy finish could, of the derby. Could we see Riley McRae really sort of kick on this year and develop into like one of the best players in the A League? You think? That's I'm, too, I'm, too I'm going early. I'm going to say signing of the season Riley really? McGree. don't worry about your Hondas wow <laughs> look local well yeah I, I think it's it's going to be really interesting to watch him develop over the next 12 months and like he's he was sort of not on the periphery at Newcastle and Adelaide but he's never never been the star never been the focal point um and it's going to be interesting like 
sort of watching him and how he responds to that and that responsibility and how he responds to that. And then in terms of Socceroos as well, boys, like I know we've got we've got a lot of a lot of midfielders uh, and wingers in in the Socceroos, but um, one thing we do need is quite an energetic um, player who can play in that number ten role. Obviously, we've got Tommy Rogic, but he just doesn't bring anywhere near that energy. And they, they've got completely well, different, different, sort different of styles. 10, right? yeah. So, so yeah. Um, if, if Riley can continue to develop, um, I think that gives a great option to Graham Arnold um, when it comes to selecting Socceroos squads as well. Could be the uh, the Frank Lampard of uh, Australia. Yeah. Big. <laughs> All right, boys. Um, there are three other games to play this weekend in the A-League. We might, we might do a bit of an uh, A-League tipping corner. So we've got um, Wellington uh, hosting Newcastle. Um, Look, I'm compl- before we, I'm completely off Wellington. Uh, You're anyone Nick's, on Wellington? Out, I'm Nick's in. I'm Nick's out. And, I'm all for. Wait, and, and we I'm just some results this weekend, or, no, no, or I'm, just I'm in going general? For, I'm going further here. I feel like this delay from the FFA, going back to my moment of the week, might result in Wellington disappearing. Yeah, I wouldn't be yeah, surprised. Could, as I well. could see that happening, and I, and I think they'll they'll slowly be appearing at the bottom of the ladder. So I'm going to go uh, Newcastle for the win. What What was interesting about Wellington was that um so apparently Mark Rudin when he rocked up at, at Wellington he was been re- he's been really surprised by the fact that New Zealand players don't really want to go and play for Wellington, yeah. which you would think would be a natural progression, right? That, that is the pathway that you play as sort of. NPL equivalent in in New Zealand, and then well, if that should good be the enough, feeder club. I mean, th- yeah, why aren't they doing this? But apparently, people don't want to play for them because it's a real worry, isn't it? Like they're not producing Australian players um, for for the A League. They're not producing New Zealand players. Marquis don't want to go there. They're ruining Burnsy. Oh, poor old Burnsy can't, <laughs> can't, get a, can't get a gig anymore if he can't play at Wellington. But it does illustrate like what's the point? Yeah. Which I think we kind of... There was a couple of years there, like, when Sad to see. No, there, they were bringing some where good players in. They were good. They and, were really good. Yeah, and no, you thought, oh, they're... And they, they do bring the something... When, they, when they're good, they bring something different. They've got one of the best badges in the league. They and do. The bear, one of the best strips in the league this yeah, season as well. And just, I like when their fans take their shirts off. Oh, jeez. It's always fun. Like that bloke last night at the derby. Lids yeah. off. Oh, that, was a, that was a different lids off experience. <laughs> that was a very... Uh, very rotund uh, Melbourne yeah. Victory supporter, geeing up the uh, couple of the sixteen-year-old Melbourne City <laughs> ultras. Uh, but anyway, it's a bit of passion, nothing wrong uh, with that. A lot of, lot of passion. Um, yeah. So look, I'm I'm, I'm predicting uh, a Newcastle win. Hard to see anything but that, given the form that Wellington have been in. Um, they haven't had the best pre-seasons either, and they um, they're looking pretty pretty thin, as we uh, mentioned on the A League uh, season preview special last week. Tommy, what do you see uh, as being the result of this game? Look, I couldn't care less about this game, to be honest. <laughs> I think it's going to be awful. Um, Newcastle all the way over in New Zealand. Wellington, going to be Wellington. I think they're all. <laughs> I hope it is. <laughs> couple of, a couple of games that some A-League fans, uh, including myself, will be looking forward to. Brisbane Roar hosting Central Coast Mariners. Uh, return of Ross. Return of Ross. Um, <laughs> return of uh, Mulvey as well. Magic Mike uh, making his return to Suncorp. Magic Mike. <laughs> This pod has taken a bit of a turn. Yeah, that, that was not a direction I was expecting. <laughs> and, and a return of Tommy Orr as well uh, yeah. to Suncorp, uh, playing his first uh, A-League game for the Central Coast Mariners uh, in the league. What are you seeing uh, well, is going to happen in this game? Uh, just a, a bit of a throwback to one of the podcasts a couple of weeks ago. Tommy Tommy Orr has been playing in Cyprus, so um, I'm expecting. Oh, I believe I'm, I owe this. I'm expecting uh, him to to be sort of right up there in goals this year because I mean. Word filtering through from my family connections in Cyprus was he he was having a, he had a great 
great sort of uh, time time in Cyprus. So. Yeah, right. So I, Cyprus. I believe I owe some of the listeners an apology for my uh, dismissive remarks about the about the Cypriot League when so, I was talking about uh, what Apostolos Giannou has or hasn't done there. <laughs> hey, he bagged a goal. Did he? So oh. uh, for Australia, I mean, sign him up. But um, no, I, I think I think Tommy Oz got a lot to prove. So I think he'll 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 him and Ross McCormick could form an exciting partnership. Agreed. Uh, this is a game I'm much more interested in because there's so much there's so much narrative here, um, and there's two teams that I'm really curious to see how they go this season. I think uh, Brisbane, I think, will be too good for them uh, for Central Coast uh, at this point. I think Central Coast are going to grow into the season. Yeah. They've got some good well, players. Well, they, they've but... signed guys, but I mean, they've been late signings. So yeah. two uh, two one to Brisbane, I think. Yeah, I think Brisbane will get the win at home, but um, you know, I'd be interested to see. How how Central Coast line up and whether you know mm. whether they... and if they're any chop or if they're yeah. just same old Central Coast kind of thing. Yeah, well they need um and we we mentioned this last week in the in the season preview as well. They really need um that midfield to sort of link up and uh with um with All and McCormack as well. If they can if they can not be disconnected and they can really be um getting the ball into the final in the final third and getting um I think you'll see Tommy Orr might not play centrally. I think you you probably expect him playing on the left and pinging balls. Uh, over to McCormack, but um, if if they can get all that happening, um, I think uh, it'll be a good season for Central Coast. But yeah, I'm predicting two one to Brisbane as yeah. well. Yeah, and I mean you you've got to be cognizant of any any free kick around the box. Ross McCormack's a chance. Ross to score. the boss. Yeah. yeah. So we saw you know saw when he, in his time last year he pretty much when he didn't he, he was just on a holiday here and he bagged fifteen goals in half a season, didn't he? Yeah. yeah. I mean, and some and some of his set pieces are just. Really, really quality quality yeah. that we haven't seen here in, in a long time. Yeah, so uh, yeah, a lot of a lot of goal threat for Central Coast. Um, all right, well, but no one's tipping them. <laughs> no one's tipping them yet. <laughs> They're going to score, just not enough to win. Yeah, possibly, possibly. All right, well, taking us uh, to the end of the round is the uh, Tony Popovich derby. <laughs> We've got derbies all over the place this weekend, boys. It's uh, um. Popper will be playing his uh, or managing his first game uh, for the Perth Glory uh, as they host Western Sydney Wanderers. Uh, what do you think? I'm looking forward to seeing Perth play. I think you know Popovich has had a little while with them now, and and I think not that they've played any actual A League games, but I think <laughs> he's he would have run them into the ground pre notorious for. Um, it's big, all about skin folds. Big, and loves running big, preseason. Big, big preseason. So I think they'll be coming out firing, especially. You know, it's against the Wanderers as well, and I like I like the business they've done. They've brought in some good players. And... The squad team's off the charts, yeah. isn't it? At Perth, Economides, yeah, the two, the twenty fourteen, Tommy Musala, um, the World, Socceroos, Socceroos uh, back, line. back line, yeah, Jason no. Davidson, yeah, yeah. Franich, Franich. Yeah. I mean, they've they've got solid A League pros in their team, and I, I feel like having having seen a, a couple of games of Western Sydney in the preseason, I, I think not. Not knowing Popovich, knowing knowing what he's, he, they, they'll be ready for this game. And I think Western City still not having a home yet either. It's just gonna yeah, be... they're going to be playing quite a few games on the road. Um, I think that's their first sort of five or six games. So going to be on the road. So um, yeah, critical, critical for Western Sydney actually to to get something out of some of those. But mm-hmm. um, what do you think, boys? I personally don't think Western Sydney are going to get anything. I think they're going to go down three nil. Yeah, I don't even see them scoring. See, I think no, I, no. I think it'll be probably two nil to Perth. Big home crowd, get bring back the glory days, <laughs> so to speak. Thanks again for joining this week. Uh, if you've liked what you heard, you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
Uh, now, if you want more of this nonsense, and let's face it, who wouldn't? You could subscri subscribe or follow More Than A Game on Twitter or Facebook. Uh, next week on the show, match day 10 of the Premier League uh, and the A-League match of the week. Until then, enjoy the football. Mm -hmm.